Colonialism saw European nations acquire vast territories and control millions of subjects. But also a problem. How to legitimize, morally and scientifically, the violent, unequal, exploitative and racist world they had created. This is Shadows of German Colonialism. By the early 1900s, Germany's colonial troops had broken the resistance of fighters in Tanzania, Cameroon, Togo and Namibia through unimaginable violence and terror. From 1905 to 1907, the Majimaji uprising and subsequent scorched earth policy in Tanzania killed between 120,000 and 300,000. The first genocide of the 20th century in Namibia killed up to 80% of the Ovaherero and Nama people and brought the remaining populations firmly under the control of German settlers. Colonialism had brought doctors to the occupied territories in search of cures for diseases from malaria to sleeping sickness. But it also brought colonialists and intellectuals into constant contact with non-Europeans and casual racism born through subjugation took a sinister and scientific tone. How could a so-called civilized nation of white people justify carrying out such destruction? Racism and the idea that there were differences between people that looked different was not uncommon, according to Professor Manuela Baucher from the Freie Universität Berlin. Dass das eine um, Wissenschaft war, die tatsächlich the idea of race was total consensus, even among anthropologists who are remembered today perhaps as anti-racist anthropologists. They never doubted that there was somehow such a thing as race in human beings. Racial theory served to actually explain humanity, not just humanity as it is biologically, but also social structures. Colonial times were accompanied by massive inequality. From the perspective of anthropologists in the colonial context, racial constructs helped explain this inequality and why one race dominated. It also helped legitimize this domination. The problem was that real scientific justification for racism was actually hard to come by. After all, how could you say races were fundamentally different if people had been mixing since the beginning of time? So, in 1908, anthropologist Eugen Fischer arrived in German Southwest Africa to study a community known as the Riobot Busters. This community still exists in Namibia today and was descended from Europeans and local African people in the Cape before trekking north to central Namibia. They spoke a form of Dutch and practiced a largely European way of life. They were Christian and had mixed heritage. But Fisher's goal was to find genetic markers and prove the heredity of racial characteristics and thus establish the construct of race in biology. Because if you could scientifically prove there was a difference between races, then you could intellectually justify different roles in human society or in the case of colonialism, show why the white race was justified in subjugating so-called lower races. Through studying buster children, taking measurements, noting hair and eye color and other aspects, Fisher concluded there were racial differences between humans, and he believed people of mixed backgrounds were superior to the indigenous population, but still subordinate to the colonialists. 
So he advocated racial segregation within society. As a result, unions between white and black people were banned throughout the German colonies. Fischer left Namibia in 1913, never to return. This intellectual process of legitimizing essentially subjugation based on eye or skin color seems ridiculous today. But Fischer and his peers' theories on race were accepted as real science and fueled such interest in the subject that the demand for skulls and bones of people killed in Tanzania and Namibia surged. The practice was so common that there were postcards of German officers packing skulls into boxes as if this were typical life in the colonies. Conveniently enough for imperial medical authorities, colonized people were not different enough for them to be excluded from medical experimentation and forced sterilization committed by German doctors on Africans. But it did absolve them from the inhumanity of it, because the repressive colonial system gave anthropologists easy access to African bodies to measure, count and analyze. Ich würde sagen, so wie viele Wissenschaften und auch heute noch, ja. Many sciences benefit from the political contexts of their time. This was also the case for scientific racism, because it was in a particularly drastic context of violence, oppression and inequality. Anthropology is a science that is about understanding humanity in a physical way, in a cultural way, and so on. And it is always about the access to the human being. And in a context where people are disenfranchised and murdered, the science could take advantage in a drastic way. Eugen Fischer's theories and recommendations around so-called racial purity were practiced in Africa and promoted actually as a form of public health. While his influence on colonial policies ended when Germany lost its possessions after World War I, they were very attractive and influential to another violent German group. One can easily see how Eugen Fischer developed theories on race during the colonial era and was able to develop them further over various decades and also under National Socialism. Baucher's right. Adolf Hitler reportedly read Fischer's work The Principles of Human Heredity and Race Hygiene in Prison and the ideas about racial purity and racial hierarchy strongly influenced his own book, Mein Kampf. He is mainly interested in the question of how to explain what he and other anthropologists understand as racial crossbreeding, how to explain it anthropologically, how to inherit characteristics that anthropologists understand as racial characteristics, and how to deal with these people who cannot be properly classified as black or white, or during National Socialism, how to differentiate between Jews and the Nazis' ideal German. These questions are relevant in one system of violence as well as in the other, because both are ultimately based on the idea that society is based on which race is fit to rule. Fischer's work would go on to influence the racist and anti-Semitic Nuremberg laws of 1935, which paved the way for the Nazis to eliminate Jews and other groups from German society. Intellectual trajectories like this and Imperial Germany's use of concentration camps in the colonies, brutality and other factors have led several academics to propose that German colonial abuses in Africa informed Nazi policy up to and during World War II. Professor Baucher, however, explains that comparing the two regimes risks thinking of them hierarchically, but the parallels are in plain sight. 
Es waren beides Gewaltsysteme. Both were systems of violence and indeed systems that were not randomly but quite systematically based on violence. Many of Nazi Germany's foremost proponents of so-called German racial purity had been active in the colonies, including Fischer. Between 1937 and 1938, Fischer and colleagues took aim at mixed-race children of German women and French-African soldiers, known as the Rhinelanders. The children were subjected to forced sterilization, among many sterilization campaigns on people the Nazis regarded as unfit. Another is Ernst Rodenwald, who also started out as a colonial doctor in Togo and Cameroon, where he implemented racial purity policies. He's regarded as a fanatical proponent of racial separation and defending pure German blood from mixing with so-called lower people, which had expanded to include Jews, Blacks, Romanies, Eastern Europeans and others. Even after World War II, Fischer and Rodenwald, despite their connections to the Nazi regime and influence on racial theory and involvement in human experimentation, remained respected academics and neither really had to answer for their work, which ultimately caused the death of millions. Fischer did in some way return to Namibia in the form of South African apartheid laws. South Africa had governed Namibia as a mandate since 1921, and duly implemented racist apartheid legislation from the 1940s onwards. Fischer's pioneering efforts to ban miscegenation were echoed in apartheid laws banning unions between races, like the Immorality Act and the Mixed Marriages Act, which would remain in force until 1990, when Namibia finally became independent from South Africa. Above all, racial theory sought to legitimize power and violence of Europeans and their descendants over colonized people and had little to do with public health. And while German colonial officers were neither the first, nor were they the only European colonial power to practice this level of racial theory, the shadows cast by these inhumane policies linger over Africa and Europe to this day. Shadows of German Colonialism was brought to you by DW with support of the German Federal Foreign Office. I'm Kai Nebe.